Hey guys, welcome to The Crashdown. My name is CJ, and you might hear in my voice, I'm not quite as animated today as I usually am. And that's because in today's episode, Blood Brothers, things get really real. That's right, we have a most serious car accident, another one this episode. But this time, someone ends up in the hospital. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The episode opens, and Max is in a very good mood at school that day. One of their teachers hasn't shown, so he finds Liz in the hallway and basically says they have a free period. And they don't exactly, but the two of them decide to cut class because Max wants to show her something. They take off in the Jeep and go driving in the desert. And here we get a lovely voiceover from Liz about those moments in life, those perfect moments, like when a song comes on the radio. And it's your favorite song. It describes that one person who means the most to you in the world. It describes all your feelings deep in your soul. And then that person says that they like that song too. And then the wind is blowing through your hair, because she's basically just describing this moment as they're in the Jeep. And how those moments, once you experience them, no one can ever take them away. But then just as quickly, in another moment, things can change. And... Right here, a wild stallion. I guess there's a lot of wild horses in New Mexico. But it just comes running across the road. Max swerves the car. They go over a cliff. And, of course, this thing does not have airbags or anything. It doesn't even really have a roof. He slams his head into the steering wheel and is knocked unconscious. Liz wakes up in a panic. They get the paramedics there. And Max is rushed to the hospital. Back at school, Maria and Michael have not cut classes, and they have an awkward encounter in the hallway. After last episode's little makeout session, neither of them knows how to act around the other. Maria's not going to let him get away, but then her phone rings. It's Liz. She tells them what's up, what's happened to Max, he's being rushed to the hospital, and of course, Michael overhears this, and the whole gang is on their way. When they arrive at the ER, Max is wheeled into a bed, and the rest of his family show up. Isabel's there, Michael, and the doctors start taking blood. They need to know what's happened. Isabel starts panicking, though. They can't take that blood. They can't study it. If they study it, they'll know what he is. They need a plan. Isabel asks Liz for her blood, but you can tell the difference between male and female blood people. So they need a guy. And of course, Michael can't do it. Michael's an alien too. So who does Maria bring? Trusty old Alex. He's sitting around the quad playing his guitar or bass or whatever. And there's a bunch of guys around and he's talking about how there isn't really a garage band scene in Roswell and they could really start a whole movement. And then Maria comes up like, I need you for something. And he's like, case in point, look, musicians get the ladies. And she basically just drags him away like, no, Alex, I'm not going to placate you. There's no time for this. She brings him to the hospital and he sees, oh my gosh, look, Max is in like intensive care. Like everyone's freaking out and crying. And Liz asks him for a favor and he says anything, of course. And she hugs him and says, I need your blood. What a creepy thing to ask someone for. Really? I need your blood. Uh, huh. Well, 
you can't kind of just let a situation like that slide. So he asks, what are you guys hiding? He's known for a while now that something's up, but you need my blood? What the heck? Liz promises, though, that she'll tell him everything when they're done. They just need this right now. And apparently she's volunteered at the clinic. And so she's seen this procedure done thousands of times. It shouldn't be a problem. As soon as he actually sees a needle coming towards him, though, he has some reservations. Time is ticking, though. Through all this, doctors and nurses have been coming and going, and they don't want this whole group lingering around. In fact, one nurse even tells them they have to leave. But in comes Michael, suave AF. Seriously. He just goes into her and he's like, I know you're just trying to do your job, but we're all just in shock here. I'm sorry. And like I said, when Michael wants to, he can turn on that charm. Oh, definitely. She looks stern for a moment and then, okay, we'll just keep it low-key. And I love that. You know, that's all you have to do. Acknowledge she's trying to do her job. You're making it harder. You're being disruptive. If you can keep your disturbance to a minimum, and when you flatter her, well, I guess you can stick around. But still, she's taken that blood work to the lab. And so with Alex kind of chickening out and Liz hesitating, Isabel swoops in. She tells him to look away and uses her alien powers to transfer the blood into the container? I don't know. I don't think she actually punctures him. I think somehow she just magics it in. And I, I'm hoping that it is powers and not magic, because if it was magic, would that still leave traces? I really want to know how this works. I really would love to know the science, in quotation marks, behind these alien powers. I don't think they really, really get into it, though. Well, I guess in this rewatch, I'm gonna see. Keep a close eye out. If you guys have any answers, let me know. I'm going to say it early. Email me at thecrashdownpodcast at gmail.com and message me on Twitter, thecrashdownpod. It's easy. I want to hear anything about this or theories. It doesn't have to be proven. Just tell me what you guys think. Anyway, Isabel does her hocus pocus. But by this time... Word of Max's accident has reached the rest of the school. The principal is really upset one of his students is in trouble, and when he's walking down the hall, he runs into Miss Topolsky and shares the whole story. She says, though, let me take care of it. Let me check in. These are my kids. I know just what to do. And she does. She immediately calls up some of her agent buddies and tells them that they now have an opportunity. They need to get over there. And they do, ASAP. These guys in suits who have been following them now change into doctors and nurses scrubs and lab coats and are following them around the hospital. Michael goes to the blood lab to try and get the vial, but the suit is already there. He has to hide in a corner. And it's the good old nurse Susan, who Michael was flirting with, who comes in and scares him off. This gives Michael his chance. He ducks back towards the doorway and pretends like he just walked up. And he tells her, I just had to talk to you. I know this is probably inappropriate, but would you like to go on a date sometime? And I love it. She's flattered. And she seriously considers his offer before she's like, no, this is wrong. I have to stop this. And he's sweating bullets because he's standing in the doorway waiting for Liz to drop the replacement vial into his hand. 
when she finally does, he goes over to her, real close, still trying to turn on that charm, like, are you sure? And he manages to switch out the two vials before she tells him, no, she can't do it, and he turns to leave. Right before he gets out the door, though, she says, call me when you turn 18. Like, oh, I love Susan. Go Susan. Yeah. I would, if a kid like Michael flirted with me, I would do what she did. Wait till they're legal. But like, oh, Michael. (laughs) He's probably actually 25 in real life, so it's fine. In the waiting room, they're still waiting for Max to recover. Isabel, Maria, Michael, Liz, and even Alex. After coming through in a pinch... They turn to him, though, and say it's probably best for him to go home. Liz says it kind of nicely. And he's like, basically, like, are you guys serious? After what I just did, I committed a crime. I could be arrested. And Michael's just like, she said go home. Totally cut and dry. Get out of here. What a bad idea, though. You're telling the guy who just did you a huge favor to get lost? No. Play nice. This was the perfect time to let him in on your secret. Seriously. If he was willing to do that, ugh, it's silly. Anyway, Liz runs after him. Michael doesn't want her to, but Maria knows. No, she's not going to say anything. Just, they've been friends for years. Just let them talk this out. Liz chases him down, and he says, like, what great friends you have there, Liz. And she wants to. You can see she wants to, but she cannot tell this secret. It's not her secret to tell. She already told Maria, and that caused so many problems. Alex, though, knows none of this is okay. He just wants an answer. Anything. You can tell him. He asks her, is it drugs? Is that what's going on? Was he high and driving? And of course, Michael couldn't give his blood because he was high too? Liz says, of course not. No, that's not what it is at all. Then Alex says, fine, then tell me. If that's not it, then what? But Liz has painted herself into a corner. She can't say anything else. So she says, yeah, you're right. It's true. It's drugs. And, ugh, okay, if you were going to go with this story, you should have said it right away. And he says drugs and be like, oh my gosh, I've been trying to hide it. I've hated lying to you, but now you've found the truth. And then he'll understand. And it's not a good thing, but if he can convince them to, quote-unquote, get help, maybe he wouldn't narc on them. But to be like, oh, that's not it. Oh, wait, yes, it is. He knows that's not it, or at least that's not all of it. And that's not enough for him. She is just not convincing enough. And he walks out. After this fight, Alex decides to start fresh. At lunch, he decides to sit with Kyle, thinking this'll be a fellow ally who's out of the loop. Kyle, though, thinks he's a spy and is actually insulted that Liz sent the B-team. But don't worry, he's not going to tell anybody. He's just tired of all the lies. And Alex is trying to sympathize with him like, I'm not a spy, I'm with you, I'm sick of the lies too. But Kyle's like, yeah, yeah, right, Uh uh-huh, okay, simpatico, like, whatever. And now Topolsky knows there's a rift there, and she is swooping right in on that. She tries to strengthen this bond that she's formed with him, tells him, oh, she definitely got him into that AP computer course that he wanted, and tells him, you know, things work out for good people. 
and she offers her services in case he ever wants to talk about anything. You know, she heard what he did at the hospital, and he gets all nervous. Just being there for Max. It's in hard times like that that you find out who your real friends are. She keeps, like, needling this wound. She knows there's a fracture there, and she's going to try and break it. Liz barges into the conversation, though, when she hears the name Max. Like, oh, yeah, Max. Max is doing great. Everything's just great, isn't it, Alex? He doesn't really say anything, but Topolsky asks him to talk later in her office. And that's what these authority figures always do. They try and get these kids alone, which is wrong for so many reasons. These are minors. Ugh, so stressful. Liz again begs him not to say anything. She apologizes, but he's fed up. He's so fed up, he gets like a stress nosebleed. And he walks away and goes to the bathroom, and he's soaking up the blood, like, getting kind of called a loser in the bathroom, like, hey, rough game of dodgeball, and I love that the dodgeball reference comes back. I guess he's known for it. Watch out in dodgeball. Anyway, Topolsky is, like, spying on him as he leaves the bathroom, and she goes in to this boy's teenage bathroom and gets these bloody Kleenexes out of the garbage to test it. And, uh-oh, uh-oh, not good. But still, what a creepy thing to do. There's no more time to worry about that, though, because Max wakes up. And his mom is there and trying to comfort him, and the doctor is there. But Max just wants to go home. He doesn't want to stay overnight. He doesn't want any more tests. And he promises them that if anything goes wrong or he feels weird, he'll come back. This is when everyone in the waiting room rushes in, too. So Maria and Michael and Liz. And this is the first time that Max's mom is meeting Liz. And it's sweet. She's smiling at her. And Max is all awkward about it. Like, oh, mom, this is Liz. Liz, this is mom. And she's like, oh, nice to meet you. But would it? Would it? Your son just skipped school. He was found out in a car wreck in the middle of the desert with a girl. There would be cops there, too. This wouldn't just be ambulances. But there's no cop in this episode at all. Did they feel like they had enough of Sheriff Valenti? I don't know. That seems really strange to me. Anyway, they're both like, oh, happy they've met each other. But this is meeting the parents in hospital. Max met Liz's parents there, and he is introducing Liz to his parent there. Regardless, Max is allowed to go home, so they pack up all their stuff and leave. On the way out, though, Maria realizes she left her purse back in the room, and wanting to make Michael a gentleman, she makes him go back and get it. When he does, though, those suits are cleaning the room, and he goes back to the group and tells him it was the guy that was following him in the alley and the one who was in the blood lab. These people are closing in on them. And Isabel doesn't know what to do. Do they run? And Michael says, no. They figure out a way to get ahead of them. They're going to spy on the spies. Love it. Love it. Every time. And guess what that means? We're going to get another Detective DeLuca scene. In order to spy on these agents, though, they first need to shake the tail. So Max and Liz basically set up a fake date. They're eating ice cream, walking down the main street, doing some window shopping, and Liz has the best fake laugh. 
Max tells her, pretend like you're having a good time. And she's like, ha 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 Oh, Max. And it's so forced. It's so awkward. And I love that when actors pretend to be bad actors. It's like every scene where they're bad liars. It means that they're good actors if it seems like they're bad liars. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, they go into the UFO center. Guys, it's the only other set they have. I mean, why would these kids go there all the time? But the suit follows them, and of course, since Max knows it like the back of his hand now, they manage to lose him. When he goes back outside to his car, Maria, Isabel, and Michael are waiting in Maria's mom's Jetta. <laughs> this Jetta man is like another recurring character on the show. And I've got to say, it's more reliable than that Jeep. Anyways, they follow him back to a seedy motel. Isabel waits in the car as backup, and after the guy leaves, Michael and Maria go inside. And she's offended, like, oh, you're giving me a fake job, you needed second backup, Isabel's your real backup. And he's like, ugh, and pulls her inside, because she's drawing attention to herself. And she's like, hey, this is the second time he's dragged her into a scummy motel. Michael aimlessly searches the room, searching for, as he claims, IDs? But what person leaves their IDs behind? Maria looks for luggage tags, looks in the clothes she suggests looking in the garbage can. Michael also decides to search through this guy's toiletries, like his toothbrush is going to have clues to who this guy is or what he's up to. Maria's like, no, check the garbage can. Any good babysitter knows that that's where the real dirt is. They dump it out and they find out his name is Moss, and there's even a telephone number. And of course, Maria picks up the phone to call it back. They need to know who's on the other line, and who is it? Agent Topolsky. Now at this point, she's really pissed. Those suits came up with nothing at the hospital. The blood test turned up normal. He thinks that they switched it, but he can't prove it. He also mentions, though, that there was another kid in the room. And now, she may know it or not, but now these kids are on to her, too. They don't find a lot else, but that's enough. I mean, that's a huge clue. That's a huge giveaway. Now they know who's after them. They only have to worry about how much she has on them already. Max and Liz are having a heart-to-heart -heart now that they've thrown their tail and have a few minutes alone. Liz says she's so glad that he's okay. She couldn't breathe when she saw him hurt there. And Max saves her for thinking so quickly and getting help and for what she did with the blood. But Liz says it was Alex. Alex saved the day, and you can tell she wants to ask, but no, you can't tell him. And Liz says she knows, but there's one other little problem. She saw Kyle and Alex talking at lunch. They're going to have to watch out. As our main group gets back together, though, Maria and Michael are separately recanting their tales. Him to the aliens, her to Liz about how each one was really the hero. Michael claims to have been the one that said to look in the garbage. He was like, oh, she was looking in the bathroom. And Maria is walking him through it like, he didn't even think to call the phone number. He'd still be sitting there if it wasn't for me. And I love how similar they are. Both need credit, except one actually deserves it and one's a straight-up liar. <laughs> then they also share, like, the Alex Kyle news, and the Topolsky Alex news, so everyone's really in an uproar. 
There's one little interaction with Max and Liz, though, that I have to point out. She's trying to convince him to come by the crash down later and says, you can get a Blue Moon burger, Saturn rings, and a Mercury milkshake for $3.99. That's a good deal. And I've got to think, that is a really good deal. I guess maybe back then that was pretty average, but think about what you'd pay for a burger and onion rings at even like a random restaurant now. Not like a fast food place, but like a diner type place. And then think of what you pay for a milkshake. Like, I could easily... Well, okay, guys, I'm not going to lie. This past summer, I spent over $10 on a milkshake. (laughs) It was huge and really good and downtown in a major metropolitan area. But I mean, even like a Dairy Queen or a McFlurry or something is like five, six bucks nowadays. I just had to point that out. Inflation, you guys. Man, I fear for the future. But this is where... Topolsky gets Alex alone. He goes to her office and she tells him that she knows about the blood tests. She's run her own and knows that it was his blood. But that he has friends and she has friends that can help him and protect him. Not the sheriff. Nothing will be on his record. He'll be safe. All he has to do is write down everything that happened. Write down a confession and sign it. He needs to think about who he's really protecting. Alex has to think about it, though. This is so much to process. He heads back out into the hallway and shoves his head into his locker, just for a moment of quiet and alone, I suppose. It was a really weird thing to do. Maybe as a nerd, he was stuffed inside so many that it's comforting to him now. But Max comes up behind him and startles him. He says that Alex saved his life, and that he has to thank him. Alex is like, well, great, you screwed mine. And what, are you here to scare me now? He tells her that Topolsky knows. He didn't say anything, but she did. Max says, did you say anything? Did you confirm it? He's just trying to protect Alex. And Alex just kind of walks away and is like, well, now you know how it feels to be in the dark. And again, they've pushed Alex like they've pushed Kyle. You lie to someone's face enough... And then they don't care what happens to you. They want to see you suffer. They want to see you fail. And in another voiceover moment, we have Liz talking about moments. How we have these precious moments, but that in these moments things can change. And what she wouldn't give for just one more to try and change it back. In a last-ditch effort to save her friendship, she invites Alex over to the crashdown. He comes in and says it doesn't feel the same as it did before. And I would like to point out that that's probably because they're sitting in an empty diner. It's clearly daylight outside, and there is no one in this place. Like, it's, like, literally dead. No other workers. The lights are off. What time is it? Like, even in the summer you'd be open late, but there'd be tourists. What are they doing? Who is running this diner? What hours do they work? I really need some answers about this. Can a business person come on? Can a successful restaurateur email me and tell me what is this person doing and how feasible this would be as an actual business plan? I don't think it would succeed very long. I really do not, unless there's nowhere else for people to eat. But I don't know. That seems ridiculous because I see other parents ordering in food all the time. Anyways... 
Alex and her are having a conversation. Liz is trying to be nostalgic. She talks about how they met in fifth grade. And Alex corrects her, actually it was fourth grade, but she didn't pay any attention to him until the fifth grade. But she has always come to him with her problems. And he's like, until now. And she's like, even now. It's true, even now, in her time of need, that's who she called. She could have tried to rob a blood bank or set up a fake donation or prick someone's finger. I don't know, anything. But she called Alex because even when she can't tell him, she trusts him. And she needs him to trust her now. This is the most important thing she's ever done. She needs him to believe in her. It's not about Max. This is about their five years of friendship. There's a right side and a wrong side, and she has picked the right side. He has to know her enough to know that. We don't get his answer, though. It cuts back to the school. There's creepy music playing. Alex is walking down the hall, and he knocks onto Polsky's door. He's thought about it, and it's not him that he's worried about. It's Liz. What will happen to her? Topolsky says she'll be questioned. There might have to be medical tests to make sure nothing happened to her. And he's like, because of the drugs? And she's like, why don't you just write down everything that happened? And here is where he gets a little suspicious. I don't know if his mind was made up before he walked into this office, but you can see the moment that it's solidified. She's being too cagey. And then Liz comes in. And again, was this planned? Or did she not trust Alex and she just followed him? But she says they need to talk. In private. So she steps out with Topolsky. And Topolsky tries to play it off like, Why don't you get started on that project we talked about? And leaves him with a pad of paper and a pen. He immediately goes over to her computer, though. Out in the hall, Liz is, I guess stalling for time, trying to change her mind. She's telling her, you need to know. Alex has changed lately. He's paranoid. She's made some new friends lately, and who knows what he's saying, because he's jealous. You can't trust what he's saying. He's looking for attention. Has he said anything about that to her? But of course, she can't divulge anything about any of her students. But Topolsky knows that Alex will do the right thing. And all this time, it keeps cutting back to him. He's hacking into her computer and then going into her email and it's empty. But then he logs onto the internet. Dial up! And you hear like the like beeping in the background and even the screen and the fonts. Oh my goodness, are so dated. His whole face changes, though, as he's typing away on his computer. And you can see that something has come up on the screen that has shocked him. And now Liz has done her best distracting Topolsky, but she goes into her office, and as soon as she walks in, she knows something's changed. Alex just turns the computer to face her, and there's the crest on the screen. FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Department of Justice. That's right, her cover is blown. Alex is so confused, he asks, what's the FBI doing in Roswell? But Topolsky just turns and talks to Liz. She says this isn't over. She's playing a dangerous game. She really did want to help them. She just hopes that nothing bad happens to them when she's not here to protect them. She really did want the best. And then she just packs up her things, holds her head high, 
and marches out of the school. Alex is left totally confused. He turns to Liz, and once again, we have the perfect moment to tell him the truth. He's gone this far. He knows something weird is up. But it's not Liz's secret to tell. He gives her an ultimatum, though. He says he's not kidding. He needs to know everything. Or he's walking away right now. He can't be her friend anymore. And it's a terribly sad scene because she can't say anything. There's no response. And so he does. He leaves too. And Liz is left there, alone in the hall. This is an especially heartbreaking scene for me because, like I always say, Alex is such a bright spot on this show. He's so happy-go-lucky and willing to help. He's so giving and loving that it's such a shame to see him hurt like this. Anyways, I think that about wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys again next week.